Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. You are so worthy, Lord God. You are so worthy. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Blessing, glory and honour, power, might and dominion be yours, Lord God, forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Folks, would you like to have your seats? Thank you, worship team. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? So good. We're so blessed. So for those who I haven't met yet, my name is Gigi. And uh, my husband Rodney and I uh, fellowship up here um, at Kalamunda, and we just love it. We love being part of the family, and uh, it's a great church. You've got a good church, yeah? We're family. Isn't that good? You don't get to pick, pick your siblings. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so we've been continuing on this series <clears throat> of frequently asked questions and I have two rippers today so thank you for asking them if I could have those up please that'd be great so the ones that we have today are can a Christian lose their salvation and what if you've been baptized but don't feel close to God anymore like you did when you first gave your heart to the Lord am I still saved yeah, I know, right? Do you want to swap? <laughs> no, no, you're going to let me have a go? Okay. <clears throat> so, you know, somebody has asked these questions, or maybe more than one person. And you might have asked this question for yourself because you're feeling it yourself. Or you might be asking on behalf of someone else. And I really want to honour you for asking the question because we want to be effective people we want to be people who love God who serve God and when we feel that we're not close to God it's really rough and so I want to explore that a bit today and the question of um, can I lose my salvation (laughs) that's really when I first was given that one I thought okay got it and then on meditating it it's like no idea That's not true. I do have an idea. Um, And I remember at the beginning of the series, Pastor Brad said, you know, for pretty much all of the questions that we're talking about, it's pretty much the answer is, well, I I don't know. But in the midst of the I don't knows, this is what I know. And so I'm going to explore that today. So I'll take the first one. uh, Can a Christian lose their salvation first? What I loved, I just love it when, you, when you're prepared and you've, you know, you've searched your heart and you've really tried hard to get everything that you think God's got for you and it all gets done before you get up. So you know, pretty much everything we sang this morning, thank you worship team, Serena, thank you for what you brought. It's all just, you know, pretty much all I can say is amen, let's pray and go for coffee. But, <laughs> but I'm going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> so... <clears throat> The song that we were singing and uh, what, some of the lines that, you know, uh, I just love it, you know, when we're picking up and, you know, it says, He picked me up. He turned me round. He placed my feet on solid ground. He changed my heart. He changed my name. 
forever free. Hallelujah. That's so good. That is straight from scriptures. Might be reworded, but that's the essence of what Jesus has done for us. So in order for us to consider whether a Christian can lose their salvation, I think we need to consider, well, what makes a Christian a Christian in the first place? How do we get to be a Christian? Am I born a Christian? You know, by being born into a Christian family, well, we know that that's not true. We know that God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. Is it because I'm born in an allegedly Christian nation? Well, we know that's not true either. And so how do I actually become a Christian? So in John 3, Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus what it means to be born again. And the bottom line is in John 3, 16 to 18, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting love, life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is already condemned because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so we see here that Jesus explains to be born again, to be saved, you need to believe in him. And we think, okay, you know what? In the book of James, it says that even the demons believe. They tremble. So then let's have a little look then at Romans 10 verses 9 to 10. Because if you confess with your mouth and in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So it's more than just believing. It's actually taking action on that belief. So we need to believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with our mouth that God raised him from the dead. And yet, I feel that perhaps this question that we've had is somehow suggesting that it's more than that and that I might do something that would make me not be saved anymore or that I might somehow be unredeemable or that I might just not be good enough or that maybe I was but on reflection maybe I'm not good enough to be saved after all and I want to abolish that thought today because that is so not true and there's nothing that you can do to add to what Jesus has already done if we believe in our heart And confess with our mouth. That makes us justified. So I want to have a look at Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 10. And it says, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And it is by grace you have been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the coming ages. He might show incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness, uh, expressed his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. Not from works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's by grace, through faith. So that's a real relief. (laughs) I don't have to earn it. I can't buy it. I can't study for it. There's not a test I pass. I don't inherit it. I can't add to it. I can't take away from it. It is by God's grace. It is the belief in my heart and the confession of my mouth, the confession of that faith that saves us. So we've looked at how do I actually get saved? So if that's what happens, if that's how I get saved then in order for me to no longer be saved, I would have to undo all of that. I would have to deliberately decide in my heart that I don't believe in Jesus. And I would have to confess that God didn't raise him from the dead with my mouth because that would be the expression, that would be the undoing. You're saying, well, Gigi, what about people who really badly sin? Well, in my understanding, there's no degree of sin. There's no little sin and big sin. You break the law, you break one part of the law, you break the whole law, but we are not under law. We're not under law. It's not, if I do this, I'm no longer in the kingdom. If I sin, if I disobey God, that's it, slap, I'm done, I'm not saved anymore. That's not what it is. That's not grace. So it's actually not our behaviour that determines whether we're saved or not. Although I must confess that there are times when, and I hate to say this, and none of you would ever think this, that's not very Christian behaviour. How close, you know, how committed is that person? Now, none of you would ever think that. Of course you don't. (laughs) And we would be wrong if we thought that. Because it's not about our behaviour that determines whether we're saved or not. And I'm so thankful because that would mean I would be out of the kingdom. And of course, I wouldn't see any of you because I'd be out and you'd be in. (laughs) It is by grace that we are saved, through faith. It is the belief in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and our confession that Jesus is Lord. That's what saves us. Now, Pastor Brad spoke last week about baptism. And one of the things that he said was, it's not the actual baptism that saves us. It's actually the confession of our faith. Baptism, and I love what he said. He said it was the outward expression of what's happening on the inside. And so, you know, when we are saved, we do want to keep going on in God. We want to get closer to him. And baptism is one of those things that will, that, that will, doesn't, doesn't mean we're more saved. It just means that we are making that public declaration. And that everybody who sees it, including those in the invisible world, know that we're rigid, set on following Christ. 
So, I don't believe that our behaviour makes us slip out of salvation. But I've opened up a little train of thought there and it's like, uh uh-oh. Sometimes we might throw a tantrum. (laughs) None of you do this. And say, well, I don't believe in God anymore. (laughs) And you think, whoops, that's come out of my mouth. (laughs) But you know what? God knows the intent of your heart. If you really, 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 truly, truly believe that, that's one thing. But often sometimes we say things that we actually don't really mean. And so I don't know if a glib, well, I don't believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. I, I don't believe anymore. I don't know if that's enough for us to lose our salvation. We're now entering into the I don't know realm. But what I do know is Proverbs 21 verse 2 says, Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Psalm 44 verse 21 says, Would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. Well, that sounds good. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so I want to wrap this first question up with, it's by grace that we're saved. Through faith. We believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths. We don't slide in and out of being saved through our behaviour. It's a result of faith, the belief in our heart and the confession with our mouth. Not whether we sin or not, and we can't lose our salvation by accident. And if we ever do get to that point where we really truly mean it, God continues to extend his grace to us. And Holy Spirit continues to brood over us and woo us back. And if that's you this morning... At the end of the service, we'd love to pray with you and walk beside you as you journey back to Jesus, to that confidence of walking with Jesus. And if you're asking that question on behalf of someone else, then I encourage you to keep praying for that person. Keep praying for that person. Keep walking in love with that person. Because God hears your prayers. And sometimes you might think that he's not doing anything about it. But part two of my answer for the next question might actually address some of that as well. So what if you've been baptised, but you don't feel close to God anymore, like you did when you first gave your heart to the Lord? Am I still saved? I just need to have a quick cough. Excuse me. It's my early morning throat. Hasn't quite woken up yet. I should have been talking way more this morning, darling. (laughs) Truth be known, I'm really not a morning person and it's still really early for me. So, you know, it's like, oh. (laughs) So, there's a lot in this question and I want to unpack that a bit. And 
Um, again, if this is you or if you're asking for someone, I want to treat it I treat this question with respect. And no one likes feeling out of favour with God. No one likes that. And so I'm going to offer a few checkpoints that you can tick off. You know, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Well, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't really know what else I can do. <clears throat> so I want to go through those today. And, and I want to talk about feelings. And the thing is that feelings come and feelings go. And feeling close to God is so wonderful. It really, really is. And when you don't feel close to God, it's really horrible. And I think that pretty much if you've been walking with the Lord for a period of time, you would have had those seasons when you're close and you're thinking, oh, I'm invincible. God's got me. God's got me. This is so cool. And then there are times like, I'm on my own here. <laughs> um, you know, we, we always think of that picture of the footprints in the sand, you know, where there's two sets of footprints walking along and then it goes into one set and the person gets to heaven and says to God, where were you? We were walking together. There were two sets of footprints and then it was one. What happened? Where did you go? And God turns to this person and says, oh, that's where I carried you. One set of footprints because God's carrying us. And so there are seasons, but I'll get to that at the end. So there are days when I actually feel really happy and there are days when I don't. <laughs> there are days when I feel really clever and days when I feel like I'm really not intellectual at all. There are days when I feel I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then there are days when I feel I can do nothing. Feelings come and go. Faith stands up. It was faith that brought you to Christ. Not feelings. Sometimes feelings. I tell you what, when I got saved, oh, Man alive, I had feelings all over the place, but it was that faith that took me forward. And um, oh, I, I remember so vividly, it was <clears throat> a very, very long time ago. And my heart was pounding out of my body. And it wasn't the pounding of my heart, it was just this whole knowledge that I was a sinner. And I went and gave my heart to Christ. And there was just this glow you know you know when um when the two are on the road to Emmaus and Jesus starts explaining things to him and Jesus to the two on the road to Emmaus and 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 Jesus is walking beside them and then he goes and they say oh didn't our hearts strangely warm and for me there was like in here this this warmth this glow this this like a a a nuclear reactor that was happening inside of me. And I thought that's what it was. And then when I got home and, and got in trouble for getting saved, um, I still had that feeling that carried me. And I was a babe in Christ. I'd, all I knew was that I'd given my heart to Jesus. I didn't really know anything else. I knew it was real. It was real. Couldn't explain it. Didn't know the scripture. Couldn't tell my family what I'd really... That was it. And then it went... And I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe, maybe they're right. And I remember asking the Lord in my simplistic little prayer, 
to just make me feel that presence again. And he did. And that's not what convinced me. It was when I was reading the Bible and so on. But anyway, I digress. Feelings can be really powerful and they can be overwhelming. But it is faith that carries us. Faith carried you to salvation. Faith took you through the waters of baptism. And faith will see you home. Because faith is not dependent on emotions. Hebrews 1 verse 11 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. In other words, faith is the vehicle that carries hope. Hope is the confident expectation that things will get better. Faith is what surrounds that. How can you have hope if you haven't got faith? They're linked. Faith is the vehicle that carries hope. So how can I grow my faith? I'm glad you asked. Romans 10 verse 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So in order to grow our faith, we need to hear. In, in the old King James, it talks about faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's actually hearing the word of God with your ears, with your spirit. And so does that mean we only get to hear the word of God on Sunday mornings or on podcasts? No, because when we read our Bible, we're not just reading with our eyes. We're hearing, we're opening our spirit and the word of God is going in. We're hearing it, not audibly, but hearing it, gripping it in our spirit. Because that word is alive. And that's part of hearing the word of God and meditating on it and, and, and letting it become part of who we are, which grows our faith. So what about feeling distant from the Lord? Well, I've got a few points here. So some would say, if you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? And while there are elements of truth in this, I think sometimes cliches can be a bit hurtful because they shut us down. We've got nowhere to go with that. There are elements of truth in that. If we're not feeling close to God, God actually hasn't moved. But I don't know that that's so helpful for us. So here's a future. So spiritual habits. So I'm saying, what I'm suggesting is, if you're feeling that you're not close to God, have a think about these. I've got four points, and you can tick them off. So the first one, if you don't feel close to God, oh sorry, I said that. Spiritual habits. So reading your Bible, praying, worshiping, and we sort of think, okay, well I've done those three. Well, there's more to spiritual habits than the big three. Fellowshipping with the saints. Serving, giving. So all elements of our spiritual habits help maintain a healthy spiritual life. So just like to have a healthy body, you need to put in healthy food and you need to have lots of water and you need to exercise it and you need to sleep well in order to have a healthy physical body, right? You know, lots of working out and all of that stuff. Well, so too, with having a healthy spirit, we need to put in good nourishment, word of God, healthy spiritual habits. We need to 
rest. And we tend to overlook that. We go, 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 go. It's almost like, you know, I have to be serving God. I have to be doing... Sabbath is a rest day, folks. We need to take time to rest. Now, as infants, our parents do an awful lot for us. They feed us. They clean us. They teach us how to sleep. They look after us. They protect us. And so it is as we're babes in Christ. We've got people around us who are going to help us. They're going to teach us the Word of God. They're going to help us learn how to hear God and so on. They're going to lead us and guide us and help us. But as we grow up, I'm sure that as teenagers, nobody really wants your parent to wash you. You don't, They don't hand feed you anymore. You do it yourself, right? And as you leave home, you don't, your parents don't come and keep doing everything for you at your own home. You've learnt how to do it. You've learnt the way of doing things. You know what to do. Or well, sometimes not. But in the same way, as we grow in Christ, we need to take that responsibility of feeding ourselves on the word, of listening to what God is saying and appropriating it in our lives, of exercising our spirit, as in not just it's not always about me, but actually serving and giving and so on. And resting. We actually need to learn to rest ourselves as well. That doesn't mean you stop doing everything. It just means quietening our spirit and letting God give us rest. Now, I talked about emotions and feelings, and sometimes you actually don't feel like doing that. Way back when I got saved, the lady who discipled me on that very first night said, you have to read your Bible. <laughs> Didn't have a Bible. Anyway, someone gave me a Bible. Have to read your Bible and you have to pray. And she said, Shishi, when you don't feel like doing it, that's when you need to do it the most. So all these years, when I've not felt like reading my Bible, I've thought, Lucy told me to read my Bible. And so I do. And sometimes I don't feel anything. But I know that healthy word is going in and feeding my spirit, whether I feel it or not, because faith tells me that's what's happening. And so that's that bit of exercising that I talked about. Whether you're feeling it or not, you're going to dig deep and do what you know is what God wants us to do. My second bit, and this is going to really make your heart sing. Don't you love it when you're feeling just and you say something again, I'm not feeling close to God and goes, oh, you've got sin in your life. That is so encouraging. It really revs me up and I feel so lifted up. And you know what? It might even be true. And in my hardness of heart, I might not recognise it. And so... Over the years, I've learned doesn't hurt turning over the rocks to have a little look if there's something hiding underneath it. And so what I do, much as it sort of oh, really gets me, I'm thinking, why, well, what do you know? <laughs> but it might be. And so I ask Holy Spirit, Psalm 139, verse 22, uh, 23 and 24 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. 
and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And so even when I don't like it, when someone says, oh, you've probably got sin in your life, I don't like that. But I might have. So I'll go away and I'll examine my heart. And sometimes they might be right. And sometimes it's like, yeah, no, there's nothing there. I know I've searched my heart. I've really genuinely searched my heart and nothing's come up. Okay. So the next point that I've got is Satan might have launched an attack on you. Oh, isn't that exciting? It means you're doing something good. If Satan's coming up against you, you must be doing something. <laughs> so it's a classic way that he comes against us and, and we just don't recognise it. Well, you probably do. Sometimes I don't. And one of the things he brings doubt and confusion and isolation and loneliness. We feel that no one really understands me. No one really wants to be around me. And then we start to slow down on our spiritual habits and we start to get isolated and distant from the safety of fellowshipping, from the safety of those around us who've got their, their radars up and just praying for us whether we know it or not. And being stuck out there like that leaves us vulnerable. And he does that. And you sort of think, well, God, God didn't do it, by the way. God hasn't done that. But he does allow Satan to do that. And how do I know that? Well, because in Luke 22, it says, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And so this tells me that you know, even the closest disciples, Satan would attack. And Jesus allowed it. But he prayed for us. And you know what? Jesus is interceding on our behalf all the time. He's praying for us all the time. Our brothers and sisters are praying for us that our faith would not fail that our faith wouldn't fail because that faith is the vehicle for hope. That faith is what helps us to believe that Jesus is Lord and declare it that God raised him from the dead. That's faith. So we've looked at sin. We've looked at Satan launching an attack. We've looked at spiritual habits slowing down. Now, when you get through all of those and you go, you know what, no, nah, there's nothing there, then the only other thing I can give you <laughs> is that it's a season and you're growing. We tend to think that we only grow in God when, you know, we're on the top of the mountain. We're going, yes, I'm up here. I can do all things. I'm close to God. Yes. But you know what? It takes a lot of valleys and persevering to walk up that mountain of faith to get there, it's this process of going through that valley and up the mountain hill that grows our faith. That's where it's at. And you know what? It's really hard. It's really, we did um, the Cape to Cape 
I only did two days, Cape to Cape. And I'll tell you what, there are some pretty high, I would call it mountain. Most other people around the world would call it a little, not even a hill probably. But I was thinking, there is no way I'm going to get up that. There was this massive sand dune, biggest you've ever seen. And our son just sort of, sort of like, just walked up it with his, you know, 30 kilo backpack. And here's me trying to, and there was no other way. There was no stairs, there was no lift, there was nothing. And so Stephen said to me, Mum, just go on the diagonal, just, just go on the diagonal. And yeah, good idea. So here's me trying on the diagonal. And if you can picture it, going up this diagonal and with the sand just sliding down all the time. And I genuinely thought, there's no way. I, what am I, how do I get up here? There's no way around. I have to do this. And I made it to the top, obviously, but gee, it was really, really hard work and I had to rest at the top. Folks, that's what it can be like when we are growing our faith, when we are persevering. Sometimes there's no other way to get up that jolly mountain but to just keep going. That's faith. That's faith. Not doing it on your own, but recognising that, you know what, I haven't done anything bad, I haven't sinned, I'm not being punished, I'm not unloved by God, I'm just growing. <laughs> I'm growing. Yay, that's encouraging. <laughs> so I want to reflect on David. David, as we know, was a man after God's own heart. And he was king and he had so much potential. And, you know, we look at David and we think, wow. And then when we actually dig a little bit deeper, he was a bit naughty, wasn't he? Um, I had a really great phrase that I wrote down and, and of course, I'm not going to find it. But, um, you know, he willfully sinned, deliberately and knowingly. He did some naughty stuff. But he had a repentant heart and he continued to love God and live in his faith. So I just want to touch on verse 34 to 37. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep... So this is as he's going out to fight Goliath, the, the, the big... David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw from the bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. The reason I believe that David was able to take down the giant was because God had prepared him. I want to cheer for the young David at this point, going, yes, you go, you go. <laughs> he was confident. If I'd taken down a lion and a bear single-handedly with my bare hands, I'd probably be pretty confident as well. But his confidence was not in his ability to take down lions and bears. His confidence was in God who enabled him to do it. 
if he hadn't taken down the lion, he probably wouldn't have had that confidence in God to take down the bear, which case he would not have had the confidence in God to take down the giant. If you're feeling far from God, it could well be you're battling with a lion or you could be battling with a bear. Or you might be facing Goliath. And I would encourage you to reflect on how God helped you take down the lion and the bear. Because in time to come, Goliath, today's Goliath, will be tomorrow's lion. What God's prepared you for along the way will become part of your preparation as you go to the next level. And that takes faith. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, the other thing I love about David, we hear him crying out to God in the Psalms. We hear him feeling alone, isolated, defeated. He sinned greatly, deliberately and insolently, but maintained his heart toward God and his faith in God. And if anyone knows the highs and lows of walking with God, it was David. And if the worship team could come back up, please. I'm going to read you a psalm in a moment. Actually, I'll read it to you now. It's not on the screen. So if you'd like to close your eyes and just listen, that's, that's cool or not. If you've got your own device, you can look that up yourself. So Psalm 13, and David cries out and says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? See, that's a man of faith, isn't it? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. And here's the clinch. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He reminded himself of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Folks, when you feel far from God, please can I encourage you, dig deep. Remind yourself of God's salvation. Recognize that faith is that vehicle that carries hope. Be like David. Praise the Lord, whether you feel it or not. We walk by faith, not by feelings. If you're feeling far away from God, check out your spiritual habits. Check under the rocks to see if there's any sin in your life. Is Satan sifting you? Or maybe I'm growing up. We're all on a journey of faith. We walk in seasons of blessing and then there's times when we feel that God's forgotten us. And that's where faith kicks in. So to answer this question, what if you've been baptised but you don't feel close to God anymore? 
like you did when you first gave your heart to the Lord. Am I still saved? Ties in with my first question. Can a Christian lose their salvation? Believing in my heart, confessing with my mouth. Faith. It's faith. And I would, I just encourage you, folks, to dig into that. Dig into faith. Stir it up on the inside. You might be here this morning and at this point in your life, you've not confessed that Jesus is Lord. And yet you actually do believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And you might have come to that realisation. And if that's you this morning, then as we sing this last song, it would be great if you're brave (laughs) to come down and, and we'll have people down the front. They'll have their lanyards, their prayer team, and they'd love to pray with you. Or you might be feeling distant from the Lord yourself this morning and would like someone to just stand with you and remind you that God's got you and to stir your faith again. I invite you to come. There's no judgment in the house of the Lord. We're so for each other. We so want to see each one rise to all that God has for them as he's preparing them. Lions, bears, Goliaths. Sometimes it can feel a bit lonely. But we're here and we'd love to pray with you.